0: So I think that's my first advice, like really take time to figure out what you want. And the first job might not be perfect, right? like any job has some things that we can always make better. But that's something that I would take time to reflect before just going through the rounds of interviews and you're trying to like figure it out on the back end.
1: Welcome back to Training Room Talk powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. Here we talk about pain, rehab, performance and education. If you have questions about the nuance that we dive into, please reach out to us. We would love to talk to you about it. Apart from that, we hope you guys enjoy today's episode, and we hope everyone stays safe and is staying healthy. All right, guys. Welcome back to today's episode of Training Room Talk. Um, My name is Max. I am here with Dr. Nisha Meyer.
0: Hello. How's it going?
1: And we're going to talk a little bit about... You know, I, There's some episodes in the past that have been on graduation, what to do, but realistically, any information that was shared in the past doesn't quite apply to graduating in 2020, 2021, because the climate of the world is obviously incredibly different with COVID. So Nisha and I both graduated from PT school in 2020, so we graduated in the midst of the COVID climate, and now folks are in their boards prep. They are preparing to graduate here soon in April or May and might be a little confused as to what exactly they should be doing at this point in time or how it's going to look in the next several months. So we're just going to talk about some advice that we might have for someone who is graduating.
0: Should we start, like go back one year? Cause this time last year, everything was closed, right? So you were on your last clinical or where were you Max? Yeah,
1: so I, this time, I think it might have been this week, Mm. like mid March, today's March 17th. So it was literally like around this exact week that I was in my last clinical rotation. It was supposed to be 16 weeks and I was in week 10 I, feel, I was feeling good with everything. We started hearing about this COVID thing. COVID they had, thing. they, they had just, <laughs> yeah, they had just announced that they were shutting down the NBA, and we're like, that's ridiculous. That's right. crazy. Like this isn't even this because you've heard this with Ebola and and other mm-hmm. you know SARS one things that didn't actually yeah things that didn't actually ever really impact your day to day as a United States you know citizen in the U.S. So we obviously all assume this is going to be another. One of those instances clearly was not, but at this point we were thinking that, and it really all in one week turned around. And I remember I left clinical on Friday. They had told us that week that Monday was going to be your last day in the clinic. And we were going to take two weeks potentially outside of the clinic before we returned. Um, and so they were like, just go to the clinic on Monday. That'll be your last day. And then like 2 hours later they emailed us again we're like never mind just don't even go on monday <laughs> just just go home and stay home and my clinical abruptly ended that way never even knew that my last day was my last day mm-hmm. um and then i just texted my ci and was like thanks nice. for <laughs> for helping me out uh i won't see you again but um yeah so it ended pretty abruptly where were you at
0: I was also on my last clinical, we do 12 week rotations and I think like you, I think I was at my six week mark. So they, yeah, you're starting to hit your stride. Um, by the time it's your last one, you're just, you're feeling good. And at that point I was already having interviews, conversations and starting to like scope out the field. And I was trying to be a little bit more conservative instead of just like jumping right into like one place or the other, because I wanted to take my time and really feel out the options of what was good for me. And I feel like looking back, I was nervous that that kind of bit me in the butt because I took my time and then everything closed and they were definitely not looking to hire. So, I mean, hindsight 2020, it ended up being a great thing that I ended up here. But in the moment I was feeling like super overwhelmed with everything closing. I was like, what does this mean for us? We are about to graduate and all the interviews I have coming up, they're just, they're not even gonna happen.
1: Yeah, I remember I had an interview at Strive with the the owner of Strive, for scheduled for Friday, and on Monday he was like, "Hey, you're gonna have to." I think he was like, "Hey, you're gonna have to wear a mask. Or you're gonna have to do something." I was like, "What?" Yeah. And then by Wednesday, he was like, "We're gonna cancel the interview. The entire company's like on freeze, mm-hmm. complete hiring freeze. No one's going in or out of any building that doesn't already work here." Um, and it was just kind of a big lockdown. So that interview got canceled. Everyone I was in communication with was just like, look, we're not hiring right now. Um, and, and honestly at that time I didn't really care all that much because my, I obviously thought no way is this going to last past June. Mm -hmm. So I was like, it's fine because by the time I'm done boards and ready to actually get a job, things will be back to normal.
0: Right. That was not
1: the case. Um, But I was planning on taking boards in April, end of April. And then by the time you get your license in the mail, you get your, your, you know, test scores back, everything. It can still be like June. Right. Um, So I was like, you know, things will be back to normal. I'll continue to look for a job. Um, Boards got canceled. So (laughs) April boards got canceled. Thankfully, at this time, I was in South Carolina because I was out of clinical. I said, might as well go home and visit my parents. So I stayed with them for eight weeks where COVID didn't really exist it seemed um so it was much you know easier to to be there and no stress i was in a house rather than a tiny philly apartment and uh so when i rescheduled my boards i rescheduled it for may 5th which was literally about one week after i was supposed to originally take it
0: that's not bad then
1: and um and it a lot of other people's rescheduled dates were canceled But mine wasn't because it was in South Carolina. So things were still open and they were very resistant to shutting down. So I was lucky enough to still take boards in May and it didn't delay me too much on that end. Now that didn't necessarily speed anything up because ultimately finding a job Mm. still took much longer than I anticipated
0: Yeah. So at Temple, we cannot take the boards until we've graduated. That's just Mm -hmm. like a school policy. So I was almost opposite of you. Like you knew you would have that buffer time after you graduate to really like hunt for a job where I was like, I'm pretty much just going to be studying in the Mm -hmm. time that you were looking for a job. So I want to nail it down before. Um, So we can take it in that, I want to say end of July spot. Yeah. That's the one after April. Um, and by the time that we had to take the boards, everything was like you, we were essential. So we were able to take our license Mm. exam and that wasn't a problem. But when did you start like thinking about where you wanted to be? Like, was it by your second clinical, you were really starting to look at options and talking to people or did you really wait till the summer?
1: No, I... I I had this conversation. I actually had this conversation with uh, a, someone who's finishing up school right now and applying. They've been accepted to Jefferson's residency. So they oh, yeah. were asking me, should I be applying for jobs already? It's March and, and whatnot. And I actually didn't really even start looking for a job at all until the beginning of March. And then I only got like two Good weeks timing. into my search. <laughs> yeah. I got two weeks into my search and called it there. But... Yeah. Um you know, a lot of people will start looking a lot in advance, mm-hmm. you know, six, eight months before they graduate. Oftentimes in their clinicals, they have these conversations with the supervisor or the clinic manager if that clinic specifically seems like somewhere that they would like to work. Mm-hmm. That was a situation I was in in my third clinical. They were you know, very ready to hire me given the caseload that we had Mm -hmm. pre-COVID. And then obviously everything went on a freeze. But I really didn't start having these conversations until March. Uh, Oftentimes when you have them earlier, you don't know when you're taking boards for sure yet. You don't know if you're like, I'm between April and July. I'm not 100% sure. So having the conversations can be somewhat ambiguous because you are talking in a theoretical mindset of like, I might be ready in June or I might be ready in August. Or September, you know, I'm not sure. Um, So I wanted to wait until I was sure when I was taking boards, whether it be April or July, so I could have more concrete conversations. Um, But then at the same time, when you, I feel like when you have those conversations earlier than, you know, the the spring of your graduating year, they just end up being okay. Well, get back in touch with me in three months or in four months or in six months, whenever you are ready to really like interview and stuff like that. So I felt like March was a good time to, to start applying. Uh, I probably could have started a bit earlier, especially just for the sake of like making connections and making my name more familiar. Um, I just wasn't, I was, I was, I don't want to say arrogant, but I was open to a lot of opportunities, even if they weren't the perfect opportunity. And so I was fairly confident that I was going to have a job, you know, with a few applications, send a few things out there. And in the former pre COVID climate, PTs who graduate pretty much get jobs. Yeah. We were good. Um, yeah. As long as you're open to maybe it not being the best place. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wasn't in a huge rush back then. And then I was like, probably not the best strategy.
0: I feel like school doesn't guide you into everything that comes with that, right? And some of it is, it goes to personality too, like how you like to market yourself and things that you value in a clinic and how you shine. But like, I knew nothing about negotiation. I mean, we're also in a different climate right now where you also want to be respectful of yourself as a clinician, but they're also, they have 10,000 resumes on top of there. Dusk, if you say, I want something more or I don't think so, they're like, that's fine. I'll just, someone's right behind you. So that kind of changed a little bit of the tempo when you're talking to people and um, like really deciding if you want to work somewhere. But um, I started probably my second clinical. I traveled for mine and in Nashville, they were like, we want to hire you. And so I sat down, it was like a a private practice where I could talk to the um, CEO, or whatever you call it, and the owner, and he asked me a really good question, he said, what is your dream clinic? Like, regardless of what we have here, like, what do you want? And that was the first time I ever really sat down and was like, what do I want? Because I feel like when people ask you, or you're in this mindset to interview, it's all about, like, fitting their mold, and I was like, oh my God. Oh my goodness, I don't actually know what I want. Um, And so I think students are apprehensive. They just want to fit that mold. They quickly want to get a job. They're worried about the climate, but you are interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think that when you, I think that employers will oftentimes value someone who is ambitious and driven, even if the fit isn't perfect mm. and so if you are in an instance where your your dream clinic is like here has some turf has a sled has a squat rack has some therapy tables and you're really able to push people if that's not the clinic that you're interviewing for maybe you do modify your language a little bit not to make it sound like i really only want to work in a, in a sports medicine clinic and they're just going to look around and be like well that's not what this is right but you shouldn't necessarily hide what your genuine aspirations are. If you want to work in a more sports medicine clinic, they actually might be looking for someone who is more sports medicine oriented because the subset of their population that does fall into that category, they're not able to serve as effectively as they want to be and you may fill that gap in their like clinic's offerings. So, you know, I think that I've always been of the mindset of just be as genuine Mm -hmm. a human being as you can. When you go into an interview, you are the one who has all the answers. It's like going into an exam that you literally have all the answers for because they're asking you about yourself. So there's no real reason for you to try to, you know, present yourself in any way that you aren't. You Mm. might want to polish your language and polish your... You know professionalism and really refine what it is that you want and reflect on where you want to be down the road what's your vision in terms of your career trajectory in terms of where you want to practice uh, the types of patients you enjoy the challenges you've faced and have sufficient understanding of what your own perspective is on those things um, but I've never been of the mindset of really trying to fit the mold too much. And I think that people do the do themselves a disservice in doing so. And a lot of times I just don't think that that's what the employer wants.
0: Yeah, I think it'll catch up with you, right? Like, so yeah, you nailed the job, but That's not really where you wanna be. And later on, you're spending what, like one year there? So I think that's my first advice. Like, really take time to figure out what you want. And the first job might not be perfect, right? Like, any job has some things that we can always make better. But that's something that I would take time and reflect before just going through the rounds of interviews and you're trying to, like, figure it out on the back end. Like, figure out what you want. Um, What would you say, Max, for students? I mean, many of them come shadow us. What would you say if they're graduating, what would help stand them out when they're just like one resume on top of another in this time?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the the reality is and this is I think part of part of the acceptance phase of understanding that you might not actually stand out that much as an applicant and so getting your dream job may not be something that you should, you know, anticipate right out of graduation you might need to be a little bit flexible take some time now as a practicing clinician to really develop yourself in a way that you do stand out um you know if you are obviously you want to do the best you can to make yourself unique in that candidate pool given what your background is i i I honestly don't know if i have very good advice on that because everyone's different right so for me I've always reflected on the the coaching experience I've had with powerlifting and with bodybuilding clients, um, and how much I've invested myself on that side of coaching. Um, you know, the experience I've had through that, I think that that's not even something that's that unique though, because there's a lot of folks out there who have, you know, some personal training or some coaching experience, um, you can always have those resume boosters in terms of uh things that you did in school the 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 clubs that you were part of the little leadership groups and and you can really try to inflate those things uh when you're speaking but honestly i've again just been more on the side of i am just going to interview in a way that i just I'm honest with them. I'm just open with them. I think that they're probably going to have been BS'd by the last 15 people that they've interviewed. They're not going to feel like the person was being genuine. And I'm just going to lay the cards out. And if I don't feel like I'm incredibly unique in my experiences, I'm not going to be afraid of acknowledging that Mm -hmm. and saying like, listen, I understand that you may have interviewed people who have all of these extracurricular activities, who have experience in other clinics. I'll be honest, I don't have that. Mm-hmm. But I can assure you that with the experience that I have gotten so far, you know the model that you guys have, the the philosophy you guys have, I align very well with that. I'm very driven in this and I think you can just lay things out in a way that the person's like, all right, they might not have all the experience, but they seem like a person who has their head on straight. They are very open and you know upfront. They ask good questions. Um, they're interested in finding an opportunity that is mutually beneficial. And I think in that sense, you can differentiate yourself with just how you present yourself, regardless of whether or not you have those, you know, unique extracurricular activities. Cause I've never been one for the more resume booster type of thing. So most of the time when I go in, I'm like, my resume is fairly bare bones. Mm -hmm. You know, I have some work experience. I have... A couple publications, and apart from that, it's hopefully you call me for an interview. We're and like then, opposite, really. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: is so interesting, but we've still both got a job that we love. So, I think at the end of the day, like you just lean into who you are, and yeah. we both took time to shadow and show our personality at precision. So, yeah, I, I'm just like. I love to get involved i'm all over and it's not for the resume like i'm not one of those that's like let me do this so that i can get this job like i just love leadership and um being involved and helping out and so i feel like you get that vibe when you meet me as well but that was important like i didn't really care about what was on my resume if anything sometimes i would write a letter to clinics either like handwritten or typed it and it was more about like who i am where i come from and like what i really want out of the profession Um, And then I would just spend the day at a bunch of places. Like I I remember I came to shadow you guys because I was kicked out of the clinic in my last clinical. And the last time I was in was like maybe six months. Kicked out for COVID. Oh yeah. Kicked (laughs) out because of COVID, not because I did anything crazy. But I was like, guys, I haven't seen PT. Yeah. And it was just so cool to interact with people and, and of course, Max is like asking me questions and grilling me. Like, what would you do with this patient? I'm like, I'm just trying to hang out here.
1: <laughs> Ruining the mood, bringing down the mood. Um, yeah. I mean, I, and that's the thing is I think that everyone is going to have their own strategy when it comes to making themselves stand out for you. You have a lot of things that you've done and contributed to and participated in that you can speak to. And, you know, I think that for me, I'm I'm more the opposite, where I have only a few things that I can really try to elaborate on. But I think it's going to be in the way that I elaborate and in the way that I present right. myself and the things that I've done, even if it's just a few things, that you know maybe make me an appealing candidate. I don't know. You know, I've never interviewed myself, but um, <laughs> yeah, I. I it's, it's a difficult one. I think being genuinely yourself though, is, is probably the, the most, the biggest similarity between your strategy and my strategy. I think that's the biggest advice I would give someone. You don't want to, I, I, you know, I interviewed at a company that was terrible. Um, they, the way that they practice was just not with the patients, really any of their, their health interests in mind. It was pretty atrocious. And, um, they had asked me for a second interview um you know and it's it's covid so i'm gonna go to a second interview see what they have to say you know learn a little bit more about the place maybe my first impression isn't wholly accurate And even by the time I got through the second interview, the guy was like, what's wrong? He's like, I can tell by your body language that something is like, you're thinking something. And I was like, yeah. Is your
0: body uh, language you walking out the door? Yeah, yeah, basically. (laughs) I'm
1: just like arms crossed in the chair and I'm like, what is this? What am I seeing here? Um, You know, and I was just like, "Ah, I don't think this is a good fit. I don't agree with the way that you guys do things. And that's fine. You Mm -hmm. know, I'll move on. But had I tried to fit their mold and say like, oh, I actually really love what you guys are go- like have going on here. When I I am like borderline disgusted, um, I think that that would have done that would have been a huge disservice to me, because I would have worked there and three months in, you know, hating every second of it. Um, I can find a lesser evil out there, and I think that a lot of people may end up in positions that they wouldn't otherwise be in if they had been, you know, very true and honest to the person interviewing them Um, because at the end of the day they have a lot of experience and if they think that this is not a good move for you to work here they're probably right to some degree right Um, but what about outside of interviewing and setting yourself apart what did you do what was your thought process in terms of boards if students ask you should they take it in april Mm. should they take it in july like what are the pros and cons that you kind of to them.
0: Well, I didn't have a choice. Um, so like my school forced me yeah. to do that June. So I was always in that mindset of how July. to prepare. Sorry, July. So I was like always in that mindset to prepare. I think it's nice because I definitely had time to just focus on studying as well as interview. Like I felt like I could do the half and half and do a part time mm. job. It was COVID too. So like you had a lot more extra time to study. But as long as you can make a schedule for yourself to consistently study, I think either is fine. You just have to know yourself. Like if you're someone that burns out and needs to study by itself, I would go for the later one. If you're someone that's pretty good, because you were doing it during clinical, right?
1: I was. And then, you know, a silver lining of everything was that my clinical being canceled gave me essentially like a month of free time to study even more. Um, But yeah, I was studying throughout the first 10 weeks of my clinical right. consistently to in preparation for April boards. So
0: depending on your clinical, right? So if you're in a place that the hours are crazy, there's no way you're going to be able to study, then you might not want to. And you can just focus on um, being the best clinician that you can in that final clinical and maybe like networking and interviewing. But if you feel like you can manage it, it might be beneficial because the job market's going to be a lot more competitive. I mean, we're in the Philly area. How many schools are in our zone. I, there's so I many people,
1: Drexel, Jefferson,
0: Arcadia, Arcadia,
1: Youth sciences, uh, Drexel. I said that. Oops.
0: <laughs> Pen, there's a, I don't know. There's, there's so many per region. So the advantage there is that you get ahead of the job market, I would say before the rest of us.
1: Yeah. You def, you know, I think that a lot of people that even take it in July already have jobs you know, lined up and, and done in March and April in and a the non-COVID normal COVID year. Yeah. Um, so it does probably give you some leg up in terms of being able to find things a little earlier. Uh, the The biggest thing for me was I wanted to walk at graduation. I didn't actually walk in graduation because COVID, but yeah. I wanted to <laughs> on graduation day be yeah. done. And not say I have another three months of this extension of PT school where I have to continue to study. Mm -hmm. Like on graduation, I wanted to feel completely done. I'm a licensed PT. It's over. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was willing to try to make that happen through clinical. Um, Now, I think that to what you said, it's going to come down to the person. How confident do you really think that you can be? In studying during clinical, and are you, on average, someone who does well with tests, who's low stress, who performs, you know, generally well, Uh, or are you someone who kind of squeaks by, who maybe has to put in the extra time above their classmates to prepare and studies more on average? Those are things you want to consider and and reflect on before you commit one way or the other. Um, For myself, I had set a 16 week schedule. Mm -hmm. So basically the entirety of my clinical leading up to boards. And my plan was to do 10 hours a week for 16 weeks. So 160 total hours in my like study program. And that amounted to, you know, on the weekends, I would essentially study three hours Saturday, three hours Sunday in the morning. And then during the week, my, I would study, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, one hour each. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would, I would get to work 30 minutes early, read for half an hour in the car before going into the clinic. And then when I got off, I get home, I would read 30 minutes like before bed or something like that. Um, so it was a fairly manageable thing. I work way more than that now with residency. So obviously it can be done in terms of fitting it into a full-time schedule, but, uh, It's a challenge and it's something that if you realistically think you're not going to be able to study consistently, you know, six to 10 hours a week for the leading three to five months up, uh, then I would consider doing it in July. I was obviously lucky because I ramped it up during the last month of COVID.
0: I mean, it's the most important test of our career, right? It gives us the ability to safely like rule out anything crazy and take care of our patients and protects us and them as well. So um, like you got to make sure that you put in the time that you need to really do it, do it to your best ability. Um, I think like everyone's different in how they like to study for things, but I just compare it to training for a race for those runners out there. Like, yeah, you, you ramp up, you have all the foundation, you ramp up and then you taper back. Cause it's really important to add in, time for you. You're not studying eight to nine hours a day. You just can't do it. Like you, yeah. you can't retain it.
1: Is there anything before we finish this off? Is there anything that you would recommend students who are graduating this year that maybe you learned as a COVID graduate that they may need to consider or gain some insight from the changes, the way that they're hiring or their interview or application process is going to be? as compared to what they expect it to be given a normal circumstance?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is make connections as much as you can. Like everybody and anybody reach out to the classmates ahead of you or two years above you. And don't be afraid when you're interviewing just because you're nervous that this is one spot and there's 40 other people. Like, don't be afraid to be yourself and ask hard questions. Like, how are these places valuing you what do, what does they really mean by like ethical care and really rule out what your 24 hours are going to be like at the clinic, because you're going to be spending more time in the clinic than you are outside. Right. So it's super important that you get all those um, answers from like the start. And I would even go in and shadow just to make sure it's a good fit.
1: Yeah, I agree hundred percent. And I think that for me, the the strategy was different in that I was much less like indeed or online application focused much more reach out to people email people um, meet them in person and try to make connections and network because that's just going to be something that is going to bring potential opportunities that aren't posted on indeed a lot of the indeed and internet posts these are positions that are left open on the internet
0: or already filled
1: yeah they, they don't even have a position open they just keep it there so people keep flooding in applications so it can you can be kind of spinning your wheels going through there, especially during COVID when you don't know how many positions actually truly exist. Um, so for me, I felt like it was much more efficient to do like a mass networking strategy, and like you said, email the classmates above you, reach out to them on Instagram, mm-hmm. you know, reach out to professors that you had in school, and try to make as many contact points as you can to, to, you know, hopefully land in a position where there's an opportunity that comes up that wasn't posted online and that you can, you know, fill that need.
0: Yeah. Good things come for those who wait. I will say that.
1: That's true. I did. I definitely felt like this is never going to end and when it does, it's probably going to be, somewhere that I don't want to be. And it's actually been completely the opposite. So
0: this um, was the best thing that ever happened, honestly, for my professional career.
1: Yeah. It'll, it'll work itself out. Even if you have to start somewhere that you don't love, like I was just telling Nisha of a friend who started somewhere that they don't love. And now they're, they're rolling in dough and (laughs) and very successful. So, um, yeah, things will, things will work out. Hopefully you guys gained some insight from this episode. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me on Instagram at maxlepage.dpt or Nisha.
0: Nisha Meyer.dpt.
1: And uh, yeah, other than that, good luck on your boards studying and your graduation job applications. If you have any questions, get in touch with us. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Training Room Talk podcast. We hope today's discussion was helpful in illuminating some of the complexities behind pain and rehab. If you don't know where to go from here, please reach out to us with questions. We have mentorship options for clinicians and students and programming options for you to elevate your own fitness. We look forward to speaking with you, and again, hope you enjoyed today's discussion.